John chapter 8 and verse 37. Let's hear what the Lord is speaking. The Lord says, I know that you are Abraham's descendants, but you seek to kill me because my word has no place in you. I speak what I have seen with my father, and you do what you have seen with your father. They answered and said to him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, If you were Abraham's children, true Jews on the inside, as Paul would later say by the Holy Spirit, if you were really Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. Your actions will follow Abraham's actions. And we know that they, this patriarch Abraham was a man of faith. And when God told him something impossible that God was going to do, he believed it and he rejoiced and he waited for the fulfillment. Not weak in faith, but strong in faith. He said, if you really were Abraham's children, you claim to be a Christian, where's the fruit? Do you have the fruit of the Holy Spirit or are the works of the flesh dominating you? Is it a Sunday type of Christianity? Or a Sunday, Monday, Tuesday? When Jesus reigns in our lives, we have an intimate connection with Him. We on our faces before Him saying, Lord, make me like You. One passion I have is not ambition to get this or that or the other thing or look good. I'm not into fake book. I'm not into bitter. No social media that's going to cause me to leave my time with you. Let Facebook be Facebook and Twitter, Twitter. May we use every platform for the glory of God. We heard yesterday eloquently from the Holy Spirit speaking through Esther that every conversation, not just when we're looking to uh, give a good rep for Jesus Christ, to speak correctly and lovingly, but in our day-to-day -day conversations, in most feelings, we need to continually make sure we're walking with God. And when we actually have that heart's desire and it consumes us, my one desire is to love God with everything that I am and love people because I can't claim to love people and love God but don't keep God's commandments. I can't claim to love God who I can't see if I don't love people who I can't see, as is written in the epistle of John. And so God tells us to maintain that love and the good works, all that God wants us to do, so that we can represent Him. We can be able to give a word of testimony that will convince them, their consciences, and they'll see our lives is backing it up. Jesus said, if you are Abraham's children, then you would do what Abraham did. He said, I see no faith in you people. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth which I heard from God. Abraham did not do this. You do the deeds of your father. Saying Abraham is not your father, you have another father. It's not God, it's not Abraham. Abraham would not have rejected my truth. He certainly would not have tried to kill me if I was there physically on the scene as I am with you. Then they said to him, we were not born of fornication. We have one Father, God. Some have taken this to be an accusation because Joseph, Jesus' dad, earthly father, would have died earlier, much earlier than Mary. They already had a challenge. Where did this man come from? We don't know where he came from. They're saying, we're not illegitimate. You may be, but not us. We have one father, God. You don't want to take Abraham being our father in the earthly sense? Well, we're going to appeal to a higher authority. We have God. He's the father of the Jewish race. That's true. But he's the father of the whole world, the Jewish race. It was just the initial deposit of his grace to the whole world. He loves everybody, every color, every creed. He loves all atheists. 
He loves agnostics. He loves everyone. But they have to take advantage of that love in a good way and surrender. Otherwise, that love will be withdrawn. That's the plain teaching of Scripture. At some point, it will be withdrawn. Grace will be taken away. But he's the one who initiates. He's the great lover of our souls. They're saying that we have a monopoly on God. We're the Jewish people. He's our father. You can't take that away from us. Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me. For I proceeded forth and came from the father, from God. Nor have I come of myself. But he sent me. There's a commission said, I'm from above, I'm with him, but I didn't just take off independently. In fact, the same father you claim is your God, the same God you claim is your father, he sent me. Imagine what would happen if a diplomat is rejected by another country, hailing from another nation. To reject the diplomat is to reject the nation, reject the ambassador, You're rejecting the nation which the ambassador represents. Jesus says, you don't know me, you don't know my father, you don't love my father, you don't love me. He sent me. Why do you not understand my speech? Because you are not able to listen to my word. You know, there are people who just turn the dial to another station. They'll turn the device off. They will make a quick exit out of certain churches. You know why? They cannot tolerate the word. What is the word? You need to examine yourself. Oh, no, 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 no. Not me. Not I. I'm fine. I didn't come here to hear preaching about convicting me of my insecurity and why I need to drink a little when I'm down and curse a little when I'm down and why I need to pick a fight otherwise it's not a great day for me I need excitement I need somebody to know I'm in charge no one's above me I'm numero uno number one not in the world not in the church I'm number one you can't slight me you can't give me a look and think you're going to get away with it you give me a mean look watch what's coming to you we think well that's preposterous how could anybody be a Christian and think that way They can very easily when Satan comes in. And such people, in such people there will be two categories. One who, the moment the Lord points it out, they'll begin to weep. They'll say, I need to get back to my first love, the Lord, and do what he says. The other group will get hardened and they'll go look for someplace else where they feel comfortable. Empty rituals where Satan rules. But they feel very religious in their hypocrisy. The Lord Jesus called these people out, his own fellow Jews. Notice, he didn't go to the Samaritans. He didn't go to neighboring Syrians. He didn't go to any other Arabs. He didn't go across the world to the pre-English speaking people, their ancestors. He spoke to people at home. One of the most difficult things for a person who really loves God is to speak to people at home, to tell them, can we get along, first of all, with Jesus Christ? Can we read the Bible? Can we examine ourselves, or should we put up a front and everybody is secluded, like in a cubicle, in a vast office space, everybody in their cubicle, own little world. The only time you come and meet each other, maybe by accident when you cross each other to the snack room or to the restroom then for official meetings everybody has to wear the mask a mask of professionalism mask of competitive edge looking good but a person who is sincere and says Lord I want you to show me from A to Z I'd rather get right with you now than to stand before you one day when no one will stand with me. I won't have my bank account. I won't have my years of service and my job. I won't have my medals that I earned anywhere. I won't have the friends. I won't have anything. 
I'll be zero if I don't keep the commandments. And the Lord said so, didn't he? Matthew 7. A person who hears everything God says and says, Bravo, wonderful. Oh, I love Jesus. Yeah, I'm a Christian. I love Jesus. But they don't obey the commandments of Jesus to love and to forgive and to get rid of bitterness. Otherwise, it will spread. They care about people's souls to put away the superficial things that occupy a person's day and time and the sand keeps slipping through that hourglass. Before you know it, we have to stand before the Lord and everything becomes nothing if we don't obey God's word. The Lord pointed this out to these people. He said, why do you not understand my speech? You having a word, you need to understand people. My own fellow Jews, you cannot have the last word with God. He's the judge, not you. And I'm telling you, coming straight from him, you're not doing the right thing. He said, you can't understand what I'm saying because you don't want to understand what I'm saying. You're not able to listen to my word. What do they have? Well, they have their synagogues. It's party time. Come to the synagogue to hear what the eloquent Mr. Disobedient has to say to the rest of the disobedient congregation. As long as you have your circumcision, eight days old, male child, let's do it. We're honoring God, keeping the Torah, and make sure you show up for the major feasts in Jerusalem. And did you make sure you eat kosher food? Make sure you're paying the temple tax and whatever is required. Be proud of yourself. You're a Jew. We got synagogues. We have everything we need. Who is this disruptor that's coming here? Who's this man that comes into the temple and overturns tables? Someone said this, I don't want to sit at a table that Jesus will overturn. Don't gather around tables that the Lord will come and overturn. Meaning, don't keep a priority and an affinity with your own agenda. Remember, God is in control. He's the judge. He's the master of the universe. And he has a program. He has a plan. He wants to do what? He wants to save. He wants to heal. He wants to deliver. Too much pain in this world. Too much oppression. The Lord says, will you be one of those people that I can use? But you first have to die to your own world. Because that world and heaven's world conflict. These people have their religious game all mapped out. They have their religion going. The Lord says, what you're practicing will do you no good. It actually reveals who your father is. Your father is the devil. In verse 44, John 8, he says, you are of your father, the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. He was really diagnosing them, going straight to the heart of the matter. He says, your father is the devil, and you're doing the desires of the devil. That's what you're really about. You are Jews just externally. There's nothing true about you internally. You need to know that I am sent from the Father to turn your hearts back before it's too late. And the Lord describes the nature of the devil. He said he was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there's no truth in him. When I was in the sports, especially the fighting type of things, boxing and kickboxing, all these things years and years ago. I heard people say it's a wonderful way to stay fit. I heard people say, you know, it's wonderful agility and balance. As you get older, you keep practicing these things and you'll be one step above the rest of your peers. But I saw violence involved. The Lord convicted me. You don't have to be a murderer physically to be a murderer according to the word before God. John, who wrote the, apostle, the, the Gospel of John, the same apostle wrote the Epistle of John. In that epistle, he talks about murder, just like the Lord Jesus did in Matthew chapter 5. If you scan the crowd that the Lord is speaking to, we'd be hard-pressed to find a murderer in the sense of a physical murderer. But God diagnoses every human heart, regardless of gender, regardless of age, Regardless of status in society, he goes right to the heart. 
just like in Matthew chapter 5, so you see in the epistle of John chapter 3, 1 John 3, in verse 10. Would someone please read that for us this morning? 1 John chapter 3, verses 10 to 12. First John chapter 3, verses 10 to 12, NKJV version. In this, the children of God and the children of the devil are manifest. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is he who does not love his brother. For this is the message that you heard from the beginning, that we should love one another not as Cain, who was of the wicked one, and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his works were evil, and his brothers righteous. Praise God. Praise God. Not a pleasant thing to hear when we have feud and fire and fuel for the feud within our hearts. There are certain people we don't like. If the truth is going to be told... And that's what God is after. He said, you must forgive. Otherwise, you're no disciple of mine. Plain and simple. Because God is not a God of hate. He's a God of love. When we claim to follow God, we must love everyone. And how do we show that love? By doing good to them. Not harboring evil thoughts, but good thoughts. It takes a person to die to that self. This is what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 16 and verse 24. He said that whoever wants to be my disciple, whoever wants to really follow me, you want to be a real Christian? Do you want to be a real Christian? Not a Christian that most people say, you're wonderful because you did this and that and the other thing. But Jesus is saying, if you want to be a real disciple, a real Christian, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for a soul? The problem is that we can end up losing everything in the end when we stand before God. Whether we live to be 30 years old or 100 years old, the result will be the same. The ride on this side of eternity may have been good, but the next life won't be good if we don't crucify these ugly things that come from Satan and we cover it up we say, I'm a Christian. Everything is fine, Pastor. I'm doing well. Everybody's well. We've heard that from a multitude of people who are actually not well spiritually because it's all about saving face not about surrendering to grace. Surrendering to grace means that I stop doing what I feel I want to do and saying, Lord, there's a fundamental problem here. I really don't care about what you command. How horrible. But it's the truth. i rather know the truth that something is horrible in me so I can repent and get right than to pretend. Because one day that mask will come off in view of the whole universe. At judgment time, we must forgive. It doesn't mean we compromise. We need to make that distinction there. Some people say, I loved on my son. I loved on my spouse. I love everybody, Pastor. And that's why I will do things that they do to be buddy-buddy with them, even if God hates what they do. That's not love. Love from God always has truth behind it. These people were told these kind of things in John chapter 8 about what it means to be a real believer. And they wanted to kill him. That's a very telling sign that the devil is operating in one who calls himself or herself a Christian when hatred wells up for someone because they're telling the truth especially. 
He says, um, he said, the devil is a murderer from the beginning. Imagine the Lord standing in the open square, maybe in front of a national monument, maybe by the temple, maybe in the temple, where people know that there's something going on here. This man is speaking. Now, what kind of person is he? Why, he's the very one that opened blind eyes. He sacrifices his sleep, his comfort. You know, the way he lives, self-sacrificially, is really showing us up. They start gnashing their teeth. And furthermore, when he speaks, it's cutting to the heart. We really hate this man. Because he keeps telling us that there needs to be a big change, an overhaul in our lives. And that's not the kind of religion we want. We want the religion where you can sweep stuff underneath the carpet and pretend and pose for selfies to maintain the image that is false. The Lord ripped the mask off of these people. In John 8, 44, he said, You are of your father, the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning because there's no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources. For he's a liar and the father of it. And everyone fall at the feet of Jesus, especially after hearing the word this morning. And say, Lord, is there anything false in me? Any duplicity? Any hypocrisy? And the one who would simply ask that question sincerely, that's the first step. If we don't want to ask that, we have no business being with God. We won't end up with God, plain and simple. We'll be like that person in Matthew chapter 7 who heard the word and built the house with no foundation. And when the storm came, the house came crashing down. But if we say, Lord, this stuff is convicting. And I don't want to try to escape out of this, Lord. I need help. Please speak to me. There's a reason God recorded John chapter 8 in the gospel. I have no freedom Liberty from God to say that John chapter 8 doesn't matter to me. No, every word of God is inspired. Every word is profitable for doctrine. That's the truth. For reproof to show me what's wrong. For correction to help me to do it right now. Change it. And for training in righteousness so that every child of God can be equipped to do what God wants us to do. Thoroughly furnished, well prepared to live the Christian life. I want to encourage anyone, if you're hearing this this morning, and God has put his finger on something in your life, in your heart, where you know that, you know what, I'm not forgiving this person or that person. I'm bitter. Don't worry. Because God loves you, is using the scriptures this morning to show you that's not right before me. But here's the way to get it right. All we have to do is say, Lord, I don't want to be among those people that day where I come and claim, I'm a citizen of heaven, Lord. Would you let me in? And the angels inspect the papers. They say, this is forged. These citizenship papers for heaven are forged. I'm sorry, you cannot come in. They say, well, how could it be? All these years I thought I had the genuine article. I saw the stamp and everything. It looked like heaven stamp on this passport. Now at the moment of truth, I'm going to be sent away. How could it be? It comes by deception. What kind of deception? Self-deception. When that snake is allowed in our lives, so conjure up feelings of bitterness and racism and pride and prejudice and we'll be feeling, you know what, I still go to work. Nobody's touching my paycheck. I'll hide that prejudice inside me. I still smile on the outside. I don't want my neighbors not to help me when I need help. I have to be good. In family, well, if I go over the edge and say something too rude to my family member, when it comes time to celebrate my birthday, they may not want to pose for a photo with me or give me a gift. It's all convenient, you see, to manipulate others when really the biggest manipulation happening is the devil manipulating that soul. And to say, Lord, if you are speaking so directly in John chapter 8, oh, what a shocker. 
You're telling the crowd of people, they could stone you, Lord. And you're telling them to their face, your father is the devil. And his desires you want to do, he's a murderer from the beginning. He does not stand in the truth because there's no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own, for he's a liar and the father of it. God, I'm a Christian. I'm a pastor. I'm doing this. I'm evangelizing on the job. Lord, I'm a male or female, and I love you. I don't worship Buddha. I don't worship Allah. I don't worship anything. No Hindu gods. I belong to you, Lord. You know that, don't you, Lord? Lord, I have one question. Show me your papers. Your birth certificate. Show me. Which country you're a citizen of now? And the way he'll determine that is by our actions and our thoughts. Deep within our hearts. God will determine. Are you really a Christian? Just like he convicted the whole crowd. Or he tried to bring conviction. Verse 45, but because I tell you the truth, you don't believe me. It's too hard for them. They want a pastor to get up on Sunday morning. They want a type of Jesus that comes on Sunday morning, punctual, on the dot. How beautiful. And he will deliver a 20 or 25 minute sermon, maybe. With a couple of songs, you stand up, you sit down, you give your tithes or whatever you do, and you do your motions and religious gestures, and everybody says hello, maybe, and have some coffee and cake, and you have just had worship service. And guess who came to the worship service with you? The devil. And he was worshiping along with you. Not God. He was worshiping himself. He said, this church, it may have a steeple and a cross, but I am the God of this church because everybody is going their own way. They have all kinds of feelings inside. Nobody's crucified here. They've not crucified their flesh with their affections and lusts. They're breeding more and more sin. Everybody today, it seems, not everyone, but a lot of people want church and preachers that will tell them what their itching ears want to hear. And it's like the Holy Spirit recorded in the book of James. Don't you be one of them. I shudder to think of that possibility. But I'm dead to that. I decided a long time ago, even growing up, I said, Lord, one thing I don't want is fake. Because I know, eventually, it'll destroy everything. You can't build a family on lies. You can't build a business on lies. You cannot build a nation on lies. Everything will corrupt. That's the nature of it. Because Satan himself will corrupt. He'll not only corrupt people, but he'll be destroyed. But the truth will triumph. But the great news is, today, before we get to judgment, we can say, Lord, from A to C, from my bank account to my dealings with people, from my inmost thoughts to my prayer life to the Bible reading, Lord, if there's anything fake in your sight, because you can see everything like an x-ray, Jesus, I'm willing to say, my God, my God, help me. Please. I cannot go on like this. I'm sick and I didn't know it. But today, I thank you for examining me. This virus has to get out. It's going to destroy me. This is what the Lord did. He told them the truth, but they didn't want to take it. He who is of God hears God's words. Therefore, you do not hear because you're not of God. A simple mathematical equation, a simple logical equation he who is of God hears God's words if P then Q if you nullify it the result is a zero that's why the Lord said earlier if anyone does his will that is my father's will he will know of what I'm saying whether it's myself making it up or it's from God uh, good news from that point is this. If God tells you today, you really need to forgive from the heart, not hold bitterness. And you decide, Lord, it's you speaking, Lord. 
I don't know how I can do it because I have so much in my heart. It's like a volcano ready to erupt. But I believe you, Lord, that you will help me because you love me. And I don't want to be rejected on day when I, on the day when the judgment time I say, Lord, but I, I did what you told me to do, Lord, just like in Matthew Gospel. But I did what you said, Lord. I evangelized. I did this. That's why as Jeff prayed, it's so important to make sure we have righteousness in our lives. Then evangelize. We must evangelize. If we love God, we will love people. And if we love God and we love people, we'll make sure we're walking right so we can be the vehicle to deliver God's salvation to the people. Notice what he says here in verse 48. Then the Jews answered and said to him, Do we not say rightly that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? You don't even belong here. We don't know where you came from. You're a mixed race. Notice what the Lord says. Jesus answered, I do not have a demon, but I honor my father, and you dishonor me. He said, aren't we correct? You have a devil inside you, Jesus. Yeshua ben Yosef, if that's what you claim, you have a Jewish father, I actually think you're Samaritan. Look at the kind of words that come out of people. When the truth is preached and the person doesn't want the truth, a lot of slander will occur. It's a natural byproduct of a demon being inside that person. Jesus answered, I do not have a demon, but I honor my Father, and you dishonor me, and I do not seek my own glory. There is one who seeks and judges. Most assuredly I say to you, if anyone keeps my word he shall never see death. You'll have eternal life. I didn't come here to make a show and try to get people to like me. Beware of that trait, beloved. Beware of that trait. It's a sinister trait that will take us down the wrong path. I like people to think well of me more than God thinking well of me. It's best to have God think well of you even if no one else thinks well of you and they despise you, they spit at you when you come by. Isn't that what happened to the prophets, even the Lord Jesus? Sometimes it'll happen, not all the time. That time if I say, well, I don't like this kind of Christianity. I like that steeple Christianity where it's nice and neat. I can file into church and come out incognito. No matter what the situation is at home, in my heart, in my mind, Volcanoes raging, but there's a smile, there's makeup. Nice vehicle. Door-to-door service, comfortable and cozy. Condemned and guilty before God. Say, Lord, I don't care what people think. I will be loving to people. I will forgive people. I will think the best of them, so far as truth affords. But, if no one likes me, I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. What's your version of Jesus? Is he a Christian Santa Claus? There's a man like John chapter 8 we see depicted who tells the truth as it is and says, clean up your act. I will help you, but you've got to clean up your act. The outside of the cup may look fine, but the inside is rotten. We've got to get that out. You've got to make it to heaven. We have to be passionate like him for our own souls. It's for our good, not for his. Though none go with me, still I will follow. Which Jesus? The Jesus of John chapter 8. Though none go with me, yet will I follow. Though all do hate me, still I will follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. Sometimes it's not easy. 
I know it's not an easy thing when the Word of God convicts me sometimes. In the past, I won't deny there were struggles when I wanted to clench my fist, especially when I was in the violent sports. This is how you show that you cannot be stepped upon. You have to let people know you're a respected person from your race. And that's the only thing people seem to understand. Money and violence, so try to get it. The Lord says, as much as you love boxing and the martial arts, convicted me. And I said, Lord, much as I loved weight training and I wanted to do certain things, my motivations were not all that pure. And I came to the conclusion as a young man, I'd rather be considered weak in the eyes of the world and have power with God. The truth of the matter is, even the greatest professional athlete, no matter how much muscle they build and put the discipline into it and have that fame and admiration of people, and they feel in control, and when they walk into a place, nobody can take them down. What happens when they're 98 years old if they live to be that long? A little child may come and be able to do a lot of damage to that person at that point. It's a facade. It's fake. It doesn't last. But the one who listens to God, no one can touch that person until the time. Glorify God. Power of God. God's love is what we need. The Lord will make a declaration here that would startle these people and enrage them at the same time. And the Jews said to him, Now we know that you have a demon. Abraham is dead and the prophets. They had the tomb. We saw in life training school a few semesters ago. We saw the actual monument, the tomb site. Abraham and Sarah, they're all buried there by Hebron in Israel. The Jews said to him, we know you have a demon. Abraham is dead in the prophets, and you say, if anyone keeps my word, he shall never see death? He shall never taste death? Again, they couldn't understand. He's speaking the truth, that everlasting life, it's not a contradiction to the Jewish scriptures. It's written in their own scriptures, the just shall live by faith. They'll be justified by faith, by believing God's words. God says, I will sprinkle clean water upon your heart. I can take away the stony heart, give you a heart of flesh. I can do a miracle in your life. If you just surrender, be humble, as we heard yesterday. From Esther's message. Humble yourself, otherwise you won't make it into heaven. And you say, if anyone keeps my word, he should never taste death. How can you say that people are not going to die? Everybody dies, even Abraham died, and the prophets died. What are you saying? Are you greater than our father Abraham who's dead? And the prophets are dead? Who do you make yourself out to be? Can you see Jesus around him? This unassuming figure, visually and externally, he didn't have any power. But it was God Almighty in the physical body standing before them. He didn't flinch. He didn't waver. He knew exactly who he is. And so it is with us. When we have the truth and we really love, we're telling people the truth out of love. Come for prayer. Oh, maybe another day, Pastor. You need the Holy Spirit to intervene in your life. I don't want inconvenience you. You need healing. I'll, I'll find out how to do it. Thank you. Your family needs God. They're fine. Besides, I tried to call them. They didn't want to come. They're okay. The same brother of the Lord and colleague, this veteran, preacher, educational genius, really, who God used to avert major disaster in South Korea some years ago. He noted how when he went to Korea, 
the past 30 plus years in Burma and other countries, he said they have such a hunger when they know God is working to bring everybody to their place. But he said the American culture, our own culture, he said, I've heard people, when I'm praying for people for hours with my wife and God is doing things, the pastor of the church where we're preaching at many of the American churches, he'll overhear a conversation, he says, Every single time, virtually, that when the pastor says, why don't you want to get on the prayer line? God is doing things. They say, oh, that poor man and his wife, they're tired and we don't want to inconvenience them. And maybe another time. What are they doing? They're actually despising a lot of times what God is doing, saying, not now, later. Never, ever trifle with the divine visitation. Remember, it's not some president or some king or some CEO. It's the living God who comes to you through his people to give you an opportunity to drink of the living water, get the bitter water out, and begin to work mightily in the family. What good is it if we can go to a graveyard and say, there's my grandfather, uh, that's my mother, let me tell you some stories, what happened in this war and that war, and there's my uncle, and there's my cousin, you know, unfortunately, had to check out of life early, and, and here's uh, some stones and some areas for my family. Everything is set. Everything is wonderful. Everything is set in stone. And what happens? Everybody goes to hell. That's the truth. That's what God said. When they don't have life from heaven, when they're not living according to the plain revelation of God's commandments, which is, first of all, to love God with all the heart, with all the mind, with all the soul, with all the strength. Not shopping over God. Not family over God. Not food over God. But treat God as God. If that's not there, that train is headed somewhere else. That ship is off the mark. It's going to end in a different destination. Sometimes the little things we think that we're in control of, and we can manipulate, we can justify, they'll take us to a whole different destination. Somebody was piloting a, a plane, an aircraft that left from an area by New Zealand. And someone messed with the flight coordinates. Just changed a couple of coordinates, just a little bit. Disaster followed. The pilots, they didn't understand while they were going over Antarctica. It appears that they were telling the crew telling the passengers, look how beautiful the view is, these beautiful glaciers. And then they saw, following the flight coordinates that somebody had tampered with, just a couple of degrees off, they headed right into a mountain. And it was too late. 200-something passengers, including the pilots, everybody perished. Just a little bit. We need to know that if we don't follow everything the Lord says to do and we're not sincere, we can go down the wrong path and later regret it forever. Well, today's message is not on come get your healing and tell you how to prosper financially. There are times for that. God's Word definitely declares that. He will bring us out of situations. He'll do miracles in our bank accounts, in our relationships, Today's message, taken from the scriptures, directly from the scriptures, is God diagnosing people who claim to know him. Isn't that right? John chapter 8, the Lord is diagnosing people who claim to know him. And he's telling them how to really know whether you're of me or not. He had certain words for these people. It's not typical, but certain people he had very strong words for because they really played the game to the hilt. They did not want God's word. They wanted to have religion. No relationship with God where they're submissive and treat God as God. But they wanted to have a religion where they can talk about God, give lip service and say, wow, God is my father, but they really play God. I decide what to do on the Sabbath day. I decide what to do on the Lord's day. I decide what to do with my money. I decide what to do with anything. My time, 24 hours, belongs to me. 
It's my time, my day. What if the Lord Jesus would come and say, can I spend a few hours in your home today? Do you know a lot of people claim to know God? They'll say, not now, Jesus. I have something to do. Can you come next Tuesday? Jesus, I have something to watch on TV. Lord, can you come later? I have um, some work to do in my backyard. Lord, I'm studying for an examination. Please, have some consideration. This is the final exam. You want to come now? How does he come now like that? He may say, stop, put your pencil down, put your pen down, turn the computer off, shut the phone off, get on your face before me, I have to talk to you. Oh, Lord, what a privilege. Have you ever experienced that? Where the Lord will wake you up in the middle of the night or in the middle of something, convict you and say, stop everything right now. I want to talk to you. Are you able to be sensitive to the voice of the Holy Spirit? Are, are you drugged up with your own version of God and religion where you're oblivious to His voice? When you have a thought, you think that's God speaking, but it's not. What a privilege to have that kind of intimacy. This is what Abraham had. And these people are saying, Abraham is our father. We're from the same stock. So I guess we have the same passport. That's said, no, you don't. You live exactly contrary to Abraham. You don't believe what I'm telling you. That's why your life is like that. Well, they said, who do you make yourself out to be? In verse 54 of John 8, Jesus answered, if I honor myself, my honor is nothing. It is my Father who honors me, of whom you say that he is your God. Yet you have not known him, but I know him. And if I say I do not know him, I shall be a liar like you. But I do know him and keep his word. How direct and how the Lord does not mince words. Can anyone out-argue God? i rather submit myself to God. If God says, you know what, their relationship is wrong, I'd rather cut it immediately. If the Lord says, you know what, that hobby you're having is taking too much of your time and you're not spending time with me, the source of your life, I'd rather obey Him and do whatever I need to do. If the Lord says, you know what, you like a lot of people 54 out of 60 people in your circle. You really like, and it's a back and forth. You scratch my back, I scratch your back. There's a very congenial atmosphere between you. But the other um, few people in that group, some of them really rub you the wrong way. And you have, you have it in for them. The Lord says, you can't do that and come into my kingdom. The Lord says very categorically, if you do not forgive others from the heart, notice, not superficially saying, I'm sorry. Yeah, I know I did this and that. I didn't mean to. Can we make up? Here, I'll buy you lunch. The Lord says, do it from the heart. Really forgive. If you don't do that, he said, my father, he will not forgive you. And it's very clear that there's no one in heaven who's not forgiven. So it's clearly saying you can't make it to heaven if you don't forgive. Wouldn't you rather sit in a church and church service where you're told the whole truth, even if it's brutally honest, where you can say, Lord, I have some weed whacking to do. I've got to get these weeds out of my heart. They're plaguing the life of God in me. They're choking it. And I'm getting from bad to worse. I need help now. Change me, Lord. Rather than go and be pampered, lied to, and feel good superficially. Trouble and disease continue. It is my Father who honors me of whom you say that he is your God. You don't want to honor me? My Father honors me. Yet you have not known him, but I know him. And if I do not, if I say I do not know him, I shall be a liar like you. But I do know him and keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. They're asking, what do you know about Abraham rejoicing to see your day? Have you seen him and he's seen you? Verse 57, then the Jews said to him, you are not yet 50 years old. And have you seen Abraham? When did Abraham live? He lived around 2,000 years before Jesus Christ came to the earth. They said, you're not even 50 years old. You're telling us, come on, that you've seen Abraham? 
you're really out of it. Jesus said to them, that's what they were thinking, Jesus said to them, most assuredly I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. They knew that statement was the very name that God gave to tell Moses to tell the people in the land of Egypt who are under bondage tell them I am has sent you Jesus is saying I am not a question about 50 years old or 10 centuries old I'm eternal what would you do with such a person a human being in front of you saying that he's God it surrendered him that's what Peter did they were not they may not have been educated. They were not people who didn't think. The force of the words that came from the Son of God's mouth convicted them with the conviction of the Holy Spirit. They said, we're leaving everything to follow you, Lord Jesus. And they saw heaven unfold before them everywhere they went with Jesus. But these people, the bread and fish crowd of John chapter 6, a lot of them. Jesus, I have a problem. And I need you to fix my problem. And when you fix my problem, I will hail you and thank you, bless you. And then I'll come back to you when I have another problem. And also, Jesus, when I don't have problems immediately to deal with, I like to have ice cream. Can you give me ice cream? Now, I want to have a certain kind of food. Please, 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 Jesus. I'm just looking to get my change together. Can you bless and multiply my pocketbook so that I can go and get that fancy meal or that fancy clothing? I can have tickets to that game and that event. Lord, I really need an oil change. I don't have the money. Can you give me money for the oil change? And when you do that, you're such a great God. I really love you. But please, don't come to my house and tell me what's wrong. It really messes up my day. I get psychologically affected. Why, Jesus, it's almost like a hate crime when you come and tell me that I'm not forgiving and I'm not doing this and you want to help me clean up my act. And I just want to be told that I love you and I'll leave you alone. And whenever you need help, come to me, even if it's not going to help your soul. And I'll keep doing that. I'll be a veritable Santa Claus for you. That's the religion these people were playing. The Lord said, I'm not having any of it. Because you're denying me. You're denying my nature, my character, and everything I'm telling you to do, you're not doing. Everything I'm telling you not to do, that's what you're doing. What did they do? When he said, I am, meaning I am God, they took up stones to throw at God. They took up stones to throw at God. But Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple, going through the midst of them, and so passed by. Heavy chapter. One of those chapters where you see, as we mentioned before, head to head, toe to toe. The Lord didn't back down. And there will be occasions in which, out of love, you see, there's nothing written here saying that, and Jesus clenched his fist and gnashed his teeth, and he began to have these breathings of threatenings, and he was very upset and angry, so he wanted to pick up a rock and smash all of them or call an angel and say, wipe them out, please. They're really getting up on my nerves. None of that. What happened? He told the truth because he loved. And you know what? It's written because he loved and he told the truth. There were people among the crowds that he preached to, a good number of them who said, why are we fighting against the person who loves us? They said, isn't this the man that healed the blind man over there? And that poor widow raised her son in that vicinity of Nain? Isn't it the same Jesus who said to his disciples, my heart breaks for the people. They're with me three days. They have nothing to eat. We have to feed them. How could a person so loving and so self-sacrificial Going to that well, the height of the heat of the day, to talk to the one Samaritan woman. Oh, he's very different from the professional religious 
clergy. He goes right to where people are and tells them the truth and he heals them. And he takes the lamb that's gone astray and what you see with Jesus is not a whip to whip them back, but he carries them on his neck and brings them home. No wonder he's called the Lamb of God. He said, learn of me, I'm meek and lowly in heart. But you see, that didn't preclude, that didn't take away the fact that he's the truth, the way and the life. Because just like if we go to a physician, the physician doesn't accurately diagnose or he holds back the truth. Is that going to do any good for the patient? No, everything will be wrong. The attitude of the patient will be in a fantasy world. The uh, treatment plan will, won't be right. And that will be a very wicked doctor. But a good doctor will say this is what it is. When you have a real Christian doctor, he or she will always say, also say, this is what it is. But remember, dear patient, we have a great physician, the Lord Jesus Christ. He can solve this. He's a miracle worker. The relationship that haunts you and you feel, you know, I can't get around this. The bitterness continues. You don't understand how long it's been happening. God understands, wouldn't you think? The messenger may not understand everything, but sometimes they do. God will reveal that by the Holy Spirit. But certainly God knows exactly how long. When he went to that man in John chapter 5, he knew he'd been in that condition for 38 years. 38 years not speaking to the relative. Why start now? Because Jesus said so. Because Jesus said, you be the one to show love. You reach out. What makes you different if you're Christian? And when we do that, when we say, Lord, I don't feel like it, Lord. I, I need some more work in my heart, Lord. And I say, Lord, I know I have to do it. Please help me. Please help me. And we take that step and we do it. We find that heaven's behind us. And God can do a miracle. I don't know if you've seen that. I've seen that. God has come and broken the middle wall of partition. It's like East Germany, West Germany. Long-standing situation. A miracle happens. Because God intervenes. The wall comes down. And I've seen people whose hearts have melted. Rock hard. Family feud. Jesus comes in. There's no more feud. But they break bread. There's food. And they forgive. Such is the power of God. He can change your whole world. The external world may be chaotic. But your world? God so loved the world. He came to give life. Good news is, though this chapter depicts a very dangerous encounter with God where people were really lying to themselves and they thought they can lie to God, but God showed them up for who they are, or He revealed who they were. But you also see a lot of people believe, and look what the next thing happens. We're not going to read that today. But He heals people. This Jesus who spoke so strongly because the devil was fighting ferociously through the people to make him deny himself. He said, I can't deny who I am. I am who I say I am, but you're not. But I'm coming to help you. And he goes to people who are ready for help. And the blind men were such, one such person. In verse 6 of John chapter 9, we're not going to read the whole thing. He spat on the ground and made clay with his saliva. The saliva of God. And he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. And he said to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated sent. So he went back and washed and came back seeing. The beggar that was blind was given a brand new life, brand new start. Jesus did a miracle. We see that whoever wants help from God humble themselves. God would radically change everything. Maybe you tasted that before in your life when you obeyed God. Maybe there was a time when you spent, I recall, when I was much younger, I remember a certain summer in my life growing up, 
it was like heaven on earth. I was seeking God so much and everything was just touched by God. My education, I had the highest GPA, taking the most credits. People were getting saved among the peer group in college and at work. I was on my face seeking God. I had such a wonderful relationship with my parents, my family. They knew I was all about the Lord. My interests were to serve God. And all those weeds were just taken away. It was a beautiful summer. And then somehow I, as a teenager, started to get seduced by the desire to achieve, even if it meant taking away some time from God. And I suffered the consequences, but I could never deny, you know, that was a great summer. I wish I could relive that. The good news came to me. Not only can you relive that, you can outlive that. You can go on for the rest of your life. Where you are pleasing God and you're in this perfect will, God will use you mightily. I pray that for each and every one of you. If you can remember, if today's not the best day of your life, but you remember there's a time and season where you're so close to God, God is saying, in spite of what you've done and what you've allowed to come into your life, I'm able to take it away. I can help you in that weed whacking. I can help you have a healthy crop of righteousness where the fruit from your mouth that originates from your heart is mercy, faith, and righteousness. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Father in heaven, we thank you. We thank you, Lord. You are the healer not only of our bodies but our souls. I thank you, Lord, for what you've recorded in John chapter 8. In every chapter of the Bible, and thank you and praise you, Lord, because you are worthy to be glorified in our lives. Lord, we know that everything is empty. Everything is empty, Lord, in the final analysis. Money just cannot satisfy in the final analysis. Having friends and people just does not satisfy because they're weak just like us. Seeing this world and engaging in the activities that show all the glamour and glitter and lights, nothing satisfies. There's an end to every kind of satisfaction on this side of eternity if you are not Lord of our lives and activities and relationships. I thank you, Lord. We have such a privilege to be like Nicodemus, even if doubtful at first. Become bold for the Lord. To be like Peter, even if he went through a very down period in his life and he did something that he would really regret, he betrayed you. But you told him beforehand, Lord, I really love you. And so, even the failure that's going to happen because you're not watching and praying, I'm going to bring you back. Thank you, Lord, for the word of hope. I thank you, Lord, in spite of what has gone on in our hearts and what has gone on in our lives. And you are calling everyone to be real disciples of Jesus, saying, I want God to come to my house. Show me what needs to go in the garbage, what needs to stay, according to God's perfect will for my life. I want God to come into my heart just like in Revelation chapter 3, in verse 20, Lord, where you said that if anyone, believers, hears you, hears the voice, when you knock on the door and say, I'm really not having fellowship with you because your life is different. You're not following what I'm telling, but I want to come in. You initiated, Lord. You're the great lover of our souls. That everyone, Lord, who is not doing right by you, open the heart and say, Lord, I hear the knock. I really want you more than anything else. Come in, Lord. Do everything that you need to do. Have fellowship with me. I want to have fellowship with you. I want to be an overcomer, Lord. Can you change my track record, Lord? And God says, He can forgive and redeem. Miracle work in Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Change my heart, O oh God. 
Make it ever true. Change my heart, O God. May I be like you today. Come in, Lord, and change more. Change more. Change everything. You are the potter. I am the clay. Whatever you have to do, Lord. I want you to touch every area of my life. Every single area of my life from A to Z. You're the Alpha and the Omega. Touch every single area of my life inside out. I want to be right with you. I want to have no shame when I stand before you that day, but rather joy and get the crown from your hands. Father, can you do something in my life? Can you get me back? Can you help me? God of restoration, I believe you today. You are the potter. I am the clay. So mold me and make me. This is what I pray. Now change my heart, oh God. Make it ever true. Change my heart, oh God. I truly want to be like you. Praise be to the Lord. If the Lord has spoken to you, you like to pray, you can pray.